Coming up on this week's show, it's another listener favorite episode. This time the spotlight is on TJ Clune as he wraps up the Green Creek series. This is the Big Gay Fiction Podcast, the show for avid readers and passionate fans of gay romance fiction. Each week, we bring you exclusive author interviews, book recommendations, and explore the latest in gay pop culture. Welcome to episode 262 of the Big Gay Fiction Podcast. I'm Will, and with me, as always, is my co-host and husband, Mr. Jeff Adams. Hello, everybody. This episode of the podcast is brought to you in part by our remarkable community on Patreon. We'll have more information on how you can join the community at the end of the show, along with a sneak peek of what we have coming up for you next week. I'd like to personally welcome you back, Rainbow Romance readers. As Jeff just mentioned, this week we've got another listener favorite episode. This is all gearing up to our fifth anniversary coming up in November. And it should probably come as no shock to anybody that the episodes featuring the remarkable stories by author T.J. Clune have proven to be some of the most popular we've ever had. That is very true. With this episode and the new interview we recorded, he's appeared on this show seven times, which is more than anybody else across our five years. He also holds the record for two of our most listened to episodes ever. I have to say that I'm really glad that our listener favorite episodes happen to coincide at the same time that the Green Creek finale is happening. I had read a couple other T.J. Klune books ahead of when I got introduced to Wolf Song, which is all because of narrator Kurt Graves. As I think many people know, Wolf Song was Kurt's very first book that he did. And he reached out to us to say, I've just done this book. I'd love it if you'd read it, maybe review it. And I fell just head over heels for the citizens of Green Creek, Ox and Joe at the Bennett Pack, Gordo, the whole thing. It's one of the most meaningful series that I have read. And it, you know, it sits up there with some others that are just all-time favorites. So I'm really glad that we are able to look back at Green Creek through TJ's interviews and help him wrap up this series that has meant so much to so many. And we're going to kick this off with a segment from episode 147. We had TJ and Kurt join us to talk about the release of Ravensong. Now, for those who are unfamiliar, kind of lay out what Wolf Song and the starting of the whole Green Creek series was. Wolf Song was a coming of age for the narrator Ox Matheson, and he grew up in a tiny little town in Oregon called Green Creek. And he was not understood even beginning as a child. He um, thought different way, he saw things differently. And unfortunately, people around him took him to be one way when he was completely something completely different. I don't like to use the term or the word slow. I don't like how that's coded, but he just had a different way of thinking and I, I, loved being able to write and see the world through his eyes going from thinking that the world was one way and then having this family move next door that showed it to be something completely different and people that read my books know that a big common thread through them is the idea of like found family and people that are your friends or your loved ones that aren't necessarily related by blood and i do that theme a lot in different ways in different books but i think wolf song is one that probably exemplifies that the most just because of the idea of wolves in a pack and what that would mean to humans and wolves and witches and all these different characters coming together that aren't necessarily related but depend upon one another and need each other to survive. Mm -hmm. 
And then a whole bunch of other shit happens in the book. <laughs> a whole bunch. Whole bunch of shit. Because Wolf Song, I was trying to think about this today because it's been a while, but I mean, that book takes place over years, if not maybe a decades. De a decade, I think. Because it starts when Ox is like, what, 11 or 12? I think 11, yeah. 11. And he, it ends when he's in his early 20s, mid 20s. But I, I knew that when I was writing that book, it was going to be a, kind of like a generational type of story with, with characters from different generations. You have the kids and you have the, the older people in the pack and whatnot. And I just like the, the interplay between them and the dynamic that they have with everything that they bring to the table, young versus old. And, and it was, this is why I'm enjoying moving on to Raven song because I'm writing about characters once again, that are my age and <laughs> I to them a little bit easier than I could say the characters in Wolf song. What can you tell us about Raven song and what readers can expect on this trip to green Creek? I want to be like when people talk about sequels in their movies, it's all it's bigger and it's better and it's, darker and shit blows up but that's kind of <laughs> true <laughs> <laughs> so i'm gonna be a, a cliche is that it, it is bigger and more hardcore and darker and shit blows up this time around too <laughs> which is fun but it is a book that i wanted to write more than wolf song i think like when I was writing Wolf Song and I got this idea of continuing it, I really wanted to get to Raven Song for Mark and Gordo. And what made that suck though is by the time I did get to it and started writing it, this book kicked my ass to write. It was one of the one of, if not the hardest books I've ever had to write, only because I kept screwing up every time I got further and further into story. I was trying to make it something that it wasn't. I.e. it was trying to be too much like wolf song which is can never work given how there's two different narrators and they're so completely different and it pained me to get like 60 70 000 words in realizing that this thing was working so then i had to go back and basically cut everything i kept a basic structure of the story but i cut probably 50 60 000 words and basically had to start over from the beginning so this book is a labor of love, and it was a hard delivery. <laughs> so I, I gave it my all for this one, and I, I, I can't wait for people to read it. It's just going to, I think it's takes all the themes of Wolf Song and just amplifies them just to the loudest that they can possibly be. It's, I'm excited about it. What's our timeline in Raven Song? Is it after? Is it significantly after? It's before, during, and after. Oh wow! Um, okay. It. I think I, I. Yeah, I think I can talk about this. <laughs> the first six chapters, first six or so chapters, alternate between Gordo and Mark as kids, and the missing three years, one month, and twenty-six days where Gordo and Carter and Kelly and Joe were going after. The big bad Richard Collins. I've always I was so curious when I was writing Wolf Song. I was so curious about what happened to them while they were gone because we don't really know. We don't know yeah. really anything aside from the one little part where you have the hunter David King coming back to Green Creek and telling Ox those two words, "Not yet," that Joe sent to him. 
And I always wondered, how did it get to that point? How did it get that far? What were they doing the entire time that they were gone? And how would that play upon, because what once they returned, everything happened so quickly towards the, the end of the book. It basically, they came back and then wham, bam, 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 everything blew up and all that kind of crap. But I was so curious about how Gordo would relate to these kids, essentially, that he has to watch over, and especially a 17-year-old kid that just turned into an alpha. So I was really curious about what it would be like for him as an asshole adult to turn around and have to be in charge of three teenagers and what they did and how their trip was like. And it was... So the first six chapters, I think, jump between the 80s and 2013 when that all happened. And then the rest of the book covers only a period of two weeks, and it's set a year after Wolfsong. So it, the, the opening chapters were meant to give you a sense of who Gordon, Gordo was, but also to make you feel like you have whiplash because you're jumping from the... the pass to a closer pass it's you know in my head it's this neat literary little trick to do to show you that the kid that he was and the man he's become and this weird the dissonance between both of them because the kid you'll see he starts out being almost like ox bright-eyed and all this shit is really super cool but as you know he's an adult he hates everybody hates everything, especially the Bennetts, and I wanted to figure out why he did. And the answer sucks. <laughs> I'm an asshole <laughs> when I wrote this book, man. And I don't regret it, obviously. I don't regret it at all. I'm a dick when it comes to what happened to him, and that's all I'll say. <laughs> I think the depth think of that depth. history, though, is so important. Like, as somebody who just enjoyed reading Wolf Song and then getting to read Raven Song, it was just really enjoyable to understand Gordo more. And it is a really neat literary trick to have the whiplash of jumping back and forth. But as a narrator, I was also reading that and thinking, God damn you, TJ Klune. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's going to be like, hard, all, right? All these people also have to be kids. God damn you, TJ. Yeah. <laughs> but you kind of faced that in Wolf Song too, because when we first meet, I mean, Joe grows so much in Wolf Song yeah. that you had that same, he's a kid, he's an adult, and now he's an alpha. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was uh, a fun challenge. That was actually one of the few things that going into the audiobook I knew to even be worried about. There was so much I had no idea I should have been worried about, but wasn't. And that was one of the things that I thought, how do I progress this voice from child to to adult? So I did think about that. Everything else, basically, I got lucky on, but that <laughs> I thought about. <laughs> <laughs> What's it like to revisit these characters? I mean, some time has passed since both the book and the audiobook of Wolf Song. So what's that like for, for both of you? It was good because I, I knew I've essentially plotted out the remaining three books in this series. So I know that what is what's going to happen in the future, what's going to happen in the next two books. But being able to come back to this, even though, it, like I said earlier, it kicked my ass to write it. it I, I love these characters a lot. I mean, they're they're 
really different than what I'm usually known for is in terms of, I mean, I can write angst like a motherfucker, but I, you know, usually see it, me more in the comedic realm. And I, I liked being able to come back to this and just fucking wreck people <laughs> because it gives me a chance to be able to get out my own anger. I get out my anger through writing and, and all my feelings and stuff like that. And I'd be able to take it out on the characters, even though they sometimes don't deserve it. So. And for me, it was a pure joy. I just really love coming back to this place and these people. You know, I've done about 10 other books in between Wolfsong and this, and it's not always the case that you just fall for the people that are there. But in Wolfsong, I did. And I thought maybe that was just because it was like first love, like the first thing I ever did. And and I just had such a great experience with it. But as soon as I picked up Ravensong, those people were there and their voices were back in my head and it was so effortless and beautiful. So I think anybody who loved Wolfsong is going to is going to love Ravensong as much, if not more. Is it okay to say that yeah, I, I, I liked honestly, Ravensong even I, more? I even liked more. Ravensong more too. Just not, I mean, <laughs> no, this is going to be sacrilegious to some people. Uh, you should have heard, you should hear people. <laughs> I don't talk crap about my own books, obviously, because that's, you know, counterproductive. Yeah. But when people tend to get upset when you say you like something better or less or something, I love my readers and I'm glad they love my books. But I like Ravensong better than I like Wolfsong just because a big part of it has to do with the fact that I'm 36 years old now and writing about characters in their 40s, like Gordo's 40, Mark is 43. That just feels so easy to me because I can relate being closer to age to them than I am to, you know, 20 somethings these days. My God, I'm so old. <laughs> oh gosh. Stop. Uh, I'm pretty still, so thank you. Yeah. I mean, I still love both, but I mean, uh, relating <laughs> to that, I will, I am sure I will like the audiobook of Raven Song more than I like the audiobook of Wolf Song because this time I have no, an really. idea of what I'm doing. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Which is not to take anything away from the first thing. It was between Kurt and one other person. And I spent hours flipping between their auditions. And the thing that clinched it, and I've told Kurt this before, the thing that clinched it was his Gordo voice. Because the other guy, he was good. He was really good. But his Gordo voice wasn't... I mean, obviously you can give notes to say, hey, I want this to change, but Kurt had exactly what I was looking for. And I was already starting to think ahead to, you know, he's going to have to do that voice for an entire 16 hour, 17 hour sequel that I'm going to write. That's going to be like 8 million words long. <laughs> so it's, you know, he, that's the reason he got it was because of his Gordo voice. And it was that close, but I liked his Gordo voice better. And now I like him. Thank you. So kind of a win-win there. It is. It is. I like Mostly it. Mostly for me. Do you hear Kurt's characterizations now as you when you were writing Raven Song? No, I don't <laughs> because I don't want to take away from his art and I don't, you know, it's I don't listen to my own audiobooks because it's really super weird for me. I'll listen to his voices and to see, you know, just to make sure that, you know, everything's on the up and up. Like certain sections, when he sends them in for review, there are certain sections I want to make sure got right and everything like that. So I'll listen to those. But I have never, and it's not him, it, I've never listened to any one of my audiobooks that I've done on any of my books all the way through because it's weird. It is super <laughs> weird to hear my own words read. And I, I, I tend to get 
when I'm writing, I tend to get blinders on and I don't focus on anything else but what I think that the character should sound like because I don't want to, you know, with Michael, obviously, I mean, his, the, his range is obscene with what he does for the Lightning series. But when I started writing the last three books of that, I la 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 I didn't <laughs> think anything to do with him aside from the fact of how hysterical it was writing certain scenes that I knew he was going to have to try to work his way around to figure out how to do. I wrote a song in the last book specifically so he would have to sing it again. (laughs) (laughs) I tried to think of something like that for Kurt, but I couldn't quite figure it out. So instead, the book opens with a quote from Kurt's favorite poem, The Raven, (laughs) by Edgar Allan Poe. And when I he, first sent him, when I first sent him the book, he emailed me back. He goes, "Do you know what you've done? Why don't you go ahead and fill people in?" Kurt? So I'm I'm a speech, I'm a speech coach uh, or a forensics coach, depending on what part of the country you're in. And so for years, since I am since I'm 14 years old, I have been listening to people perform The Raven, and for years I have been tearing them apart because. You, so many people just do it poorly. Like it's not a bad poem, but like it's been done badly in front of me so many times that all I hear are those terrible interpretations of this actually really great poem. So I open up the first page of Raven Song, and it's fucking the Raven. <laughs> and, I'm the Raven. and I'm like, and now he has to damn it! I'm sorry, I'm swearing so much. But this fucker is going to make me put on record my interpretation of this poem that I have yelled at people for picking for 15 years. And I'm going to insist that you perform it on your podcast, your speech podcast. I'm going to insist that you read the entire poem on the podcast. That thing has the fucking stanzas on it. (laughs) Yeah, it's long. So, yeah. So that'll be fun for me. I, yeah. Did you know what you were doing, TJ, when you did that, or is it just a fluke? No, uh, it just happened. I didn't know that he was so bitchy about Edgar Allan Poe. He's naturally, <laughs> naturally that much of that. Like, yeah, I'm sure, you know, a normal person would have responded with empathy and been like, oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. I cackled. I laughed. Yeah. I said, <laughs> well, you're going to do it anyway, motherfucker. <laughs> so, good. And I will. And you know what? I'm going to kill it. Yeah, I bet you're going to do it so good. <laughs> you're going to trot this out to your future uh, students say, this is how you do this poem. Listen mm-hmm. to this book. <laughs> and I'm going to make them buy it, too, because yeah. I'm not giving it to them. Oh, no. I'm not giving it away for free. Go buy my audiobook. <laughs> That's some good threats. Yeah. That's awesome. Skip whatever chapter the gay sex happens in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, you can learn stuff. I mean, come on. That's true. Half of them are on their way to that anyway. I know how straight sex works, kind of. So, <laughs> so I mean. Do you want to explain it to us? <laughs> no. No. Okay. This no. is not the podcast for that. <laughs> I, don't, you know, I don't want to offend anybody by having you like eat watermelon to show how I'm sure it works, but it's fine. <laughs> so, We'll, we'll move on. So you kind of mentioned in an earlier question that Wolf Song wasn't necessarily a series to begin with. When did you decide you needed to go further with that story? I'd been on a kick where maybe not going back to Wolf Song days, but when I'm sitting down and starting work, I'm realizing that I'm working on you know, oh, look, I'm writing a sequel to this book. I'm writing a sequel to that book. I wrote a sequel to How to Be a Normal Person, and I swore up and down for years I was never going to do something like that. 
And I like having one-off books, one-off stories that you can just be one and done. And you might think it's just because, oh, you know, yeah, you can have just a single story and it moves on. But no, <laughs> the reason I like it is because I hate having to research continuity. I hate it so much. And my editors will tell you that they can tell I hate it so much because I suck at it. And anytime that I'm writing a sequel or a third or fourth book, they're like, oh, well, this is going to not make any sense at all. So my one of my editors, Erica, she actually constructs these huge spread pages, spreadsheets of timelines for every series that I've written. Like right now, I have the one of Raven Song that I look at, and it's just, it's combined with Wolf Song, and I mean, it has birthdays for every single character, it has events that are going on, and it's pages and pages and pages. I knew going into if I was going to continue with Wolf Song that I'd have to contend with that, and I mean, I like learning new stuff, but I'm lazy when it comes to <laughs> rehashing, having to relearn some old stuff that I wrote, so. But by the time I finished Wolf Song, I knew that there was a bigger story there, especially since I left so much unresolved. And when I sat down to start Raven Song, I actually did, like I said earlier, plot out the next, all the rest of the series, which is four books total, to make sure that what I was going to be building upon from Wolf Song and Raven Song could actually go even further with the next two books. I almost just said the titles of the next two books. I shouldn't have done Ooh. that. Oh. Uh, that could have been an exclusive we almost had. Well, everybody knows the third book is called Heart Song. I already announced that, but I have not talked about the fourth and final book, but I totally know the title to that. You've mentioned on social media of a short story that's going to happen too called Love Song. Yes. I wrote a 6,000-word short story to follow Raven Song. That will come out September 1st. It's Elizabeth Bennett's perspective. And because I wanted to... I don't want to say that she gets shortchanged in Raven Song, but I wanted to do more, but the the point of view wouldn't necessarily allow for it without getting kind of wonky. So not giving too much away in Raven Song, but there's not as much healing for her that I wanted there to be. So instead of trying to shoehorn in something that would have sounded disingenuous in like a conversation between her and, and Gordo, who is the narrator, I decided to write a story just for her. And that was hard. That was hard to write, not because of the writing it from Elizabeth's perspective, just because it's basically uh, 6,000 words on dealing with grief and overcome that. And I've touched upon that before in, in another book I wrote, Into This River I Drown, which is just like a huge thing about grief. And I wanted to kind of do it from a different perspective here and to show what she's doing on her own to come to terms with all that's happened to her in Wolf Song and the events of Raven Song. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. 6,000 words. I didn't know you could write that short, really. <laughs> <laughs> Well, let me tell you something. I said, TJ, it's going to be 5,000 words. And I got to 5,000 words and I was like, motherfucker. Because <laughs> I still had so much to say. So then I allowed myself to get to 5,500 and that wasn't going to do. So then I put 6,000 in the cap and I could have kept on going, man. I could have. I like words. I love them a lot. I could have kept on going, but I... 
curbed it and went back and deleted a bunch of extraneous crap and then moved sections around and i think it reads really pretty so cool. it's it's lyrical like ox's books was so oh okay and then <laughs> i think you said was it heart song is t- late 2019 yes it is from it's robbie and kelly and you will know whose perspective it's going to be from who's going to be telling the story because that person's name is one of the very last names mentioned in Raven Song. It's actually the very last name on the very last page, one of the very last words. Kurt knows. Oh, that's exciting. I'm happy. And I was hoping that would be him. Yeah, it the the person that narrates Heart Song, his name is the very last name mentioned on the very last page, one of the very last sentences. You'll know who it is when you see it. But yeah, he's going to be the one narrating the book. <laughs> and that's all I'm going to say on it because no, that's... it's uh it's obviously still a work in progress, but it's Wolf Song and Raven Song. They're two sides of the same coin, and they end a specific arc. And Heart Song, first and foremost, it's the first time that I'm telling a book from beginning to end from the point of view of an actual wolf. Because in Wolf Song, Ox, spoilers if you haven't read it, didn't get turned into a wolf at the very end. Gordo narrates Raven Song, and he's a witch, he's a human. So Heart Song is the first time you're actually getting the point of view of a wolf for the entire book. And it's it's allowing me to play with language a lot. And I'm having fun with it. Some of it's working, some of it's not. But I'm having a lot of fun with it. And it's going to be a completely different kind of a story than Wolf Song was and a completely different kind of story than Raven Song is. And the last book, Carter's book, is going to be a completely different story too. Different type of story. But Wolf Song, Raven Song, bookend each other. Heart Song is the start of something new but builds upon what came before and the last book will be the bookend for heart song so two and two what do you think it is about ox and joe that grab people so much and just sucked people right into this other place of this other world i think that there's something every man about ox but at the same time he has such a unique perspective on how he sees things and and I mean, obviously coming in from the romance angle, you, you know, there's always something, whether it's realistic or not, there's always something special about the first love that you have and, and growing up together and then they become these people and whatnot. And I, I think that Ox in particular, though, <clears throat> he is different than any other character I've written. And I, I think that he... The way he speaks, the way he moves, the way he reacts, there's just something so unique about him as a character, and I think that a lot of people are drawn to that. I have a plan for him, obviously, going forward. He's... <laughs> Shit. <laughs> you haven't read Raven Song, so I... nobody has. So can't talk only Kurt <laughs> knows this sequel. Whatever that was going to become, only Kurt knows but right now. Has... Ox has a very messianic kind of a path that he's going on which is is such an awesome juxtaposition with how gordo is just as down in the dirt grimy you know will do anything kill anybody all that kind of stuff but i i like the idea of ox and like i said before ox and gordo two sides of the same coin because they are they were on the same path they were on the exact same path until 
both of them took completely different routes. And it, it's really interesting for me to be able to kind of like with the whole opening chapters in the whiplash that we were talking about earlier, there is a very definitive moment when you realize that Ox and Joe or Ox and Gordo are no longer going to be the same people. There's just this hard right turn that it takes. And I just, I can't wait for people to get to there. (laughs) (laughs) Kurt gives the knowing laugh. I do. (laughs) No, I mean, for me, Ox and Joe, what attracted me to them was their innocence and their goodness. You know, we live in a time of anti-hero stories being so much more prevalent that there was the fact that they both, the story starts with them both so young before they have to start making difficult decisions and making the mistakes that we understand as adults are a part of growing up and learning and living. They had this goodness and things were happening to them, but they still held on to that, that trait I felt. And I, that's what I love about those two and their relationship. From my reader perspective, it was those early chapters in the book as they're meeting each other and, and everything that was just like, I have to go with their story now because you're just like, boom. Well, see, when, it's it, like... when I first started writing Wolf Song too, I knew it was going to be a long, long book. And because, you know, I wanted to take my time to get to these because I think it's really important. And it's the same with Raven Song. It's really important for me to be able to give the reader a sense of who these people are and a sense of place. I mean, obviously not knocking any author whatsoever who whatever length that they write but to me there's just something about being able to get into a long book being able to take my time with these characters to make them actually independent and like they could almost be real and the fact that you know each person because it is it's a large cast and each person has their own specific characterization they are different they all have their own specific voice and i needed to take my time getting through all of them and i mean the book i think that a book that this book wolf song and raven song if they'd been half the length that they are if they'd been the typical mm romance 60 70 000 words they would have been crap they would have been absolute mm-hmm. utter crap because it's not you don't get enough time up next is a segment that we recorded with tj live and in person during gay romlet in 2018 You've just unleashed a whole bunch of awesome <laughs> to people who are downstairs. Um, we got to hear uh, Kurt Graves do Raven Song, yep. a little Raven Song for the first time. Correct. Uh, a little bit of Heart Song, Heart song for the first time. The next book that comes out next September in the Green Creek series. Which, as you said, is the first time anybody has heard that. Yeah, this book is actually kept under wraps by my requests it's actually very very hush hush and secretive so that was yeah the first time anybody has actually heard anything about heart song so it was a little nerve-wracking because i'm i'm very protective of this book and and not just for the content of it but because of the characters in it too why so protective of those characters because I've put them through so much shit <laughs> in Wolf Song and in Raven Song and then Love Song, the short story follow-up. I, I mean, I've heard this this family repeatedly over and over again, and it's not going to get any easier. It's going to get uh, it's going to get worse. It's going to get a little harder. So we'll have to hope that <laughs> there's a happy ending at the very very end, which I, I promise there will be. Kurt's been a busy boy and been yes. generating a podcast he as did. well. We announced Love Song, the podcast. This is a six episode podcast. All the details are up on my website for where you can download it. But 
it's essentially I released a, a short story following Raven Song called Love Song for Elizabeth, and he came to me wanting to record it, and I said, sure, that sounds fine with me. And then he was like, well, what if we did something more with it? I said, okay how much work do I have to do? <laughs> he was like, no, I'll do it, I'll do it. I was like, okay, that's cool. Do all you want. I don't care. But then he, he got Derek McLean together. He got Michael Leslie, Greg Tremblay, and myself, and he did each separate interviews. So it'll be six episodes total. The first two are the actual love song story, and then the last four episodes are the interviews that he did with us and that launches today for free so you can download it if you have a podcast app you can download it by searching for love song or tj clune or kirk graves and or you can find it on my website and download it from there but yeah that's a big another big project that we just announced today for the first time so Earlier this year, in episode 232, TJ joined us to talk about the upcoming releases of The House on the Cerulean Sea and The Extraordinaries. But of course, we couldn't let him get away without talking a little bit about Heart Song and the forthcoming Brother Song. We would be remiss if we talked and didn't talk about Green Creek a little bit. <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, All right, I'm ready. Oh, I'm ready to tease. All right, let's do this. All right. So Heart Song and Feral Song have been mm-hmm. out already. Uh, Heart Song at the end of last year? October. Yeah. Boy, time yeah. flies. So I yeah, know. Heart Song in October last year. Feral Song came out just about a week before we recorded this podcast. Mm-hmm. What a trip. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, what you did with Robbie in Heart Song, uh, you really pulled some fast ones there that were just ultimately really fascinating to to read and see how that unfolded yeah and that was planned from when i started plotting out raven song because i knew when i decided to i always knew when i finished wolf song i always knew there was gonna be three more books i didn't know necessarily what they were going to entail but i knew the order in which the characters were going to have their own book. I, I knew that almost right away. So when I started sitting down to plot out Raven Song back in 2016, at end of 2016, I went through and made an outline for all the three remaining books. So I knew exactly where Heart Song was going to go. So in case anybody is wondering, the events of Heart Song were planned always from the moment I started planning the Raven Song book. So I've been an asshole for that long. <laughs> <laughs> and I regret nothing. I knew how, at that point too, how the entire series would end. So much so that I wrote the last chapter of Brother Song before I wrote Raven Song. I've never done that before, but I wanted to, because I always want to write in order. Like, I like the, because if there are certain scenes that I want to write, I, I don't want to cheat myself and write it and go to it and write it and then go back and lead up to it. Because for all I know, the narrative could change at some point. Mm-hmm. But I was so firm with how I wanted this series to end that I wrote the last pages of Brother Song before I started writing Raven Song. And I didn't change a goddamn thing when I, by the time I got to it. It stayed exactly the same. So I was like, yes! And it is going to not be the ending that people expect. It's going to be a good ending. Hooray! But it is going to be... You won't see it coming. I'll put it that way. I, I think, because I've tried to stop second-guessing you 
<laughs> already. It's probably you know, as I said in my review of Feral Song, I just want them to end up so they can have a good day. Mm-hmm. Because in Feral Song, Kelly has the quip that why can't they just have a good day? Yeah. Although he's a lot more explicit than that. <laughs> yeah. And that's really what I want for them because there's no moment so far where they can get maybe more than a week of – and even when they're having a good day, there's still the cloud overhanging mm-hmm. that there's still shit yet left to come. <laughs> yeah. And it's it's intentional it, to a point. I don't want it to be too dour all the time, which is why the comedy in those books helps. But it's – it this is pr- – Next to the the Tales from Verania series, this is the biggest series I've ever done. In fact, the in in the last book, Brother Song, ooh, a little bit of a tease. It has the longest sustained battle scene out of any book that I've written. Mm. There's the 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 big the climax of the book, I should say, is surprising and heartbreaking and sad, and it's going to make s- s- some people angry, but it is what it is. <laughs> and and But I will say this, though. I am very conscious of the fact that th- I have put these characters through a lot. And I would not have done so if I did not think that they could handle it as characters and if I could not handle it as a writer. And I will say that I promise that by the end of the book, there will be peace and happiness for people. <laughs> <laughs> I try to, I try to, uh, I don't want to say for everyone, but let's just say for people, there will be good goodness for people. And so I leave I'm, them in a good place. I'm super intrigued by the battles because the battles, as heartrending as they are when they go down, they escalate from what we saw in Wolf Song through, you know, what was in Raven Song, the battle. In Caswell and Heart Song. Well, see, I oh. wasn't even going to say Caswell because I wasn't going to go that far. But now you've said it, so fine. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and how everything goes down in the battle that happens there. It's like, it's cinematic. Like, do yeah. you just see all that in your head really yeah. well? Because oh, I yeah, kind of see blo- like a big place set, you, you set see, up. <laughs> you should see my my notes for this. I block out all of those scenes. Because I, it's like a sex scene. You have to know where everybody's body parts are. You have to know what everybody's doing. If somebody bends a certain way, you have to make sure that they were standing in a way to begin with that wouldn't make that unnatural or make a reader go, wait, how are they doing that? It's the same, you know, like I said, it's the same with a sex scene. If somebody does something weird, the reader's going to be like, wait, I don't get how that's humanly possible. So I block out all of those scenes. I have little, <laughs> I have little, let me show you. I have... I have little toys that I use, my little my little Star Wars Finpo bobbleheads, and I block out these scenes when people are fighting so I know how the scene is going to look. And it takes a long time, but I have to get those right because if somebody does something stupid or I forget – like in one scene in, in Heart Song towards the end when there's the big climactic battle – I forgot one of the characters completely <laughs> and like they just show up and then I sent it to my beta readers. They were like, wait, where's fill in the blank? And I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> Shit. So I had to go back and include them in and give them some really cool quippy lines. <laughs> he ran away. He's just not there. Right. He's, so he's hiding. He'll be, he's, he's waiting with the cars. It's fine. <laughs> Those things are intense. And then brother song, like I said, it has the biggest battle scene ever written. And that took me forever to, to write because I made it. 
with Brother Song, I knew I was going to have to either go big or go home. So I just, I went big, man. It's a big, huge freaking book where many, many things happens. And it also has to end a four book series and close out four books with their storylines while also allowing Carter and the Timberwolf to have their own story while also having to rectify Carter and Joe and Kelly and their relationship with their father while also needing to wrap up Gordo and his brother and their father and all of the and have to deal with who Ox is or what he is and what he can do. <sighs> How long is this book? <laughs> It is the shortest out of all the Green Creek books. Dang. But yeah, it is the shortest out of those books, but that is not by comparison to most other books short at all. Originally, when I furnished the first draft, it was like 200,000 words. And I was like, Jesus Christ. So through the magic of beta reading and editing and working on it better, we got it down to where it should be, which is still longer, twice as long as most queer books. So whatever, my readers are used to it. What's it like to have finished it? Sad. It's sad. I'm sad. It is, I mean, it was originally supposed to come out in December of 2019. Mm-hmm. And I've been finished with it since October of 2018. So I've had a long time to deal with my grief about closing this book, this series. But it's probably going to have to, the wounds are going to reopen when we get closer to when it comes out. So it is. I'm glad it's over because I'm. I got to tell the story that I wanted to tell, but I'm sad at the same time because I've these characters. They mean a lot to me. It's it, even more so than say like the Verania series. The Verania series. I love that series because it's my happy place. The Green Creek series is my biggest cast of characters, and I love them all. I love them all for who they are and who they're not, and the fact that. I was able to finish your story on my terms is bittersweet. I mean, I'm sure I could have written 10 more books about them, but what would be the point? It would get boring. I would get bored readers and readers would be able to tell that I was bored because the story wouldn't be good. So I want to be able to tell the story, get in and get out and finish. There's authors out there who do fine with telling 12, 13, 20 book series, but that's not me because as you know, I hop around from genre to genre and if I got stuck too long in one place, I would end up resenting the story I was trying to tell. And as we wrap things up, just this past week, Jeff caught up with TJ to talk about the series finale and maybe a little bit of a hint about what is coming next. TJ, welcome back. Thank you so much for having me again. This Four. is my what now? Seventh Seven. time being here? <laughs> got to keep, keep ahead of everybody else. This firmly puts you ahead on the guest count of everybody else. (laughs) Yeah, it's how we do. It's how we do. And it's so good to have you back. You've had an amazing year, I think, by anybody's count. Yeah, it's been (laughs) quite a year. I mean, obviously, all things considered, how 2020 has turned out for many, many people. I've been very fortunate to have had the year that I've had. Yes. And we'll certainly circle back to that in a second, but... The bulk of this episode, of course, is paying tribute to Green Creek, which wraps up this very week as Brother Song comes out on Tuesday. The epic series is here coming to an end. And what are you able to say about this book without giving away, you know, spoilers on the finale, of course, and what you kind of expect the collective reaction to be of the Green Creek fans? Let me start with that second part. The Green Creek fans obviously are very 
um, dedicated. Let's put it that way. They're very, or now, you know, I'm a screw the euphemisms. They're hardcore, man. They are hardcore. <laughs> the, they have taken these characters and made them their own. And I love that very, very much. And I expect that there will be laughter and of course, many, many tears and possibly even some anger maybe directed towards me. I don't know. But this book is a culmination of not just the Bennett pack, but of this entire universe. Because as I've made very clear, this is the last book in this series. Green Creek, as with this Bennett pack, is done when Brother Song comes out. And this book was a not only just wanting to tie up all those loose ends, but I, I wanted and needed to bring this full circle, which is why this book is almost a mirror twin of Wolfsong. It has more connective tissue with Wolfsong than any of the other books. And it was done so intentionally because I love the idea of bringing this full circle to a close. And because the Wolfsong was essentially began with Ox and his father. And this series will end with fathers. And I wanted, I mean, the whole book has, Brother Song is essentially about Thomas Bennett, while it is also about Carter and Kelly and Gavin and Joe. But Thomas Bennett is probably in this book as much, if not more, than he was in Wolf Song. Mm. And we learn much more about him. And it felt right to do it this way because this is the first time that we're getting the perspective of an actual Bennett. And it is the oldest son, Carter, and the biggest brother. And there are so many loose threads that I had to tie together and, and some were intentionally left dangling just because I wanted readers to be able to fill in their own color as to what certain things mean or certain things themes mean. This book is a labor of love because it allowed me to tell the story that I wanted to tell, to finish it the way I wanted to finish it. Whether or not readers will agree with certain events, that's entirely up to them. I wrote the book and, and now that it's going to be out, the opinion is whatever you want to have on it. But I wrote it with the ending in mind that I wanted to give these characters and it's the right ending in my head. I'm very proud of the way this book ends. I am very, very proud because it is thematically, it is what this entire series has been about. And it is, I'm so, like, I just got goosebumps thinking about it. It's just stupid. <laughs> but it, I am so, I'm so pleased with the, this book in general, but with those final pages, I am so happy that it turned out the way it did. From my reader perspective, this goes back to a comment I made about Feral Song when it came out that because there's this conversation in there that they they just want to have a happy day. Mm -hmm. Do they get a happy day before the end of this book? And is it clear that there may be a few happy days, perhaps, for the people who are at the end? Yes. For those that are there. Yes. Yeah. They, I phrased it very specifically. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but Wolf Song was a certain level of angst. Raven Song kicked that angst up quite a bit. Then Heart Song just blew up the first two and just made it angst city. Brother Song doesn't push it beyond Heart Song. Heart Song was the the darkness before the dawn. 
Brother Song does have heavy angst moments because that's what this series is about. And if I had done something completely different, that just wouldn't have fit. But that being said, Brother Song is the most hopeful of the books. It is the funniest of the books. It is the most action-packed. In fact, okay, how to phrase that? There are, this, I could put it this way, the, the longest battle I've written in this series occurs in this book. And it's very significant because aside from my Immemorial Year series, the, the Withered and Seer and Crispin Seer, Crispin Seer, that entire last half of that book was essentially one long extended action war scene. But Brother Song, it's not quite that involved, but it's still pretty significant for this series. And it allows me to show the characters in, in a different light. And at the same time, there is hope and there is happiness and there is bright days ahead. Excellent. And I can't wait to see the battle scene because within this series, the Caswell battle was huge. Yeah, it was definitely huge. This is on a more personal scale, but it is just as cinematic, I think. Awesome. And it is certain things happen that I can't wait for readers to read about. And here I'll give you I'll give you guys a hint. There is one specific line spoken by Carter in this in one of those battle scenes that is a direct callback to wolf song and if you know wolf song if you know ox very well you will know the line right when it happens and that was a hardcore intentional echo and it is i'm delighted by it i when i wrote that i was like oh is this stupid or is this amazing it's stupidly amazing i'm gonna do it <laughs> <laughs> now the finale has been a long time coming you finished yeah. writing it back in almost exactly two years ago in October of 2018. And the release of the book for various reasons has moved a couple of times. Yep. What's it like that it's here now, finally? I honestly could not tell you <laughs> because it's still like, because, you know, obviously for reasons we don't need to get delve into, it, it did have to be pushed back the first time. It was supposed to come out in December of 2019. And then that whole business happened and I scheduled it for August of 2020. And then my new publisher tour was all, Hey, we're going to need to move some stuff around on our end. And I was like, Oh, okay, neat. And you know, it's just, unfortunately it was, it was when the pandemic was hitting and everything was changing and everybody was scrambling to try to keep their heads above water. And so I had to move it to October, exactly, almost exactly a year after heart song came out. And it still doesn't feel real because it's, I mean, when we're recording this now, it's a few days away. And when this comes out, it'll be one day away. And I don't know that I will feel the realness of it until I see people start getting into it and tweeting at me exclamation points and crying emojis and angry emojis and all of that. Then I'll know it's real because people are going to be like, why did you do this? Or why didn't you do this? And I'll be like, oh, okay, well, enjoy. <laughs> But yeah, the and, tears oh, the, are going to come tears. early. The tears, I mean. yes, because I mean, you know, let me tell you, let me tell you what, I posted the entire first chapter of Brother Song for people to read, and 
I was like, oh, this is good. This is not, it's nothing too heavy. But then, you know, I think I guess I'm just too close to it because as soon as people started reading it, all I got was, was it was tweets and messages and emails about how that first chapter already made people cry. And I was like, oh crap, you guys are screwed. <laughs> I will admit I, I didn't get emotional in the first chapter. I was kind uh, of in awe of the cinematicness of that yeah. first chapter and how it sets the tone. Mm-hmm. I had the the pleasure of, of conversing with you about Wolfsong yesterday in the Clunatex group. Mm-hmm. And you read from chapter two. Of Brother Song, yeah. I was very happy that I put my phone down to leave the screen so that nobody had to watch me be emotional. And the comments just lit up with people, you know, getting the emotion of that moment. Yeah, what, and, I, and that two. was that was literally a page and a half of, of text that I read and from the second chapter. Right, because anything beyond that is just too much of a spoiler for me to be able to read. But that second chapter is one of my favorites. And it's because of the nature of how that chapter works. And I'm not I won't go into too much detail about it, but it's it is basically recounting a history that we never got to see because we we didn't have the perspectives of We've been with Ox and Gordo and Robbie, so we wouldn't necessarily get to see what it was like before that. Mm-hmm. And so I got to go back pretty far and write some things that I'd been thinking about for a long, long time and to fill in some blank spaces that I hadn't been able to see because of the points of view from the other books. And that second chapter, man, that is a doozy. That is a doozy. And I may even say it might be even one, might be one of, if not the hardest chapters to read. It is very, very hardcore because it basically goes through this history in one chapter. And mm-hmm. so when you do that, you have to you have to laser in on what specific events you want to focus on. You don't want to retread ground that you've already covered. You don't want to do another a scene that's already happened in a previous book from another perspective because that's just that can get kind of a um, little too much of retreading ground. At the same time, there is certain iconic scenes that happen in Wolf Song that I was curious about of what it would look like from a different side that I decided to explore a little bit with mm-hmm. that. So it was very neat. Again, this book is very much bringing things full circle. Well, we talked about Raven Song back in 2018. You said you liked it better than Wolf Song for a number of reasons. Mm-hmm. Is it still your favorite of the four? It is because of Gordo. Gordo, I mean, I guess I guess it depends on any given day if you ask me who my favorite character is, that might change, but I I love the character of Gordo because he by every right, he could have been a villain, and nobody would have blamed him for turning into a villain. The pack, his pack, made very shitty decisions when it came to him, and they hurt him, and they did not deserve his forgiveness. They absolutely, he did not need to forgive those what happened to him. He did not need to forgive Elizabeth. He did not need to forgive Thomas. He did not need to forgive Mark. But I think that shows the the strength of his character that while he is an asshole and he is a dick by rights, he was also able to be the bigger person and 
work through his own trauma while um, not necessarily understanding or accepting why Thomas Bennett made the choices that he did, but understanding that this larger-than-life character of Thomas Bennett was an alpha wolf and seen through the eyes of Ox in Wolf Song, basically a, a, a god of sorts. And to show that gods have faults and weaknesses and make terrible, terrible mistakes was one of the better parts of Raven Song for me because I, I love the idea of building up an idealized version of a character from one perspective and then shattering that idealization from another character because Thomas is two very different people to Ox and to Gordo. And I liked Gordo's perspective better than the other ones just simply because I, I understand him as a character, I think, the best. And I went through the trenches writing that book and I am very proud of how it turned out because that was a war I had to fight to get it how I wanted it to be. But that doesn't mean that, you know, I feel any less about any of the other characters or any of the other books. And I just love them all, I guess. <laughs> you love them all, but there's your favorite child. Yeah, and that's is. fine. No, that's fine. <laughs> Moving away from Green Creek a little bit, I alluded to this when we started. You've had an amazing year between House on the Cerulean Sea and The Extraordinaries, and you're capping it now with Brother Song as the last release of the year. Have there been moments in this year that really stand out for you with all of this awesome that's happened? Yeah. I mean, there's getting on a USA Today bestseller list was just freaking out of this world. Hearing from people who've the amount of people who've read Cerulean is just bonkers. Like you, you hope stuff like that happens. You hope it happens. You wish every book you write obviously would be a success. And, and I guess coming from the indie scene that I was in before and now moving on to traditional publishing, it's just a whole different ball game. Like, like things are so different in, in this world than it is in the indie publishing world. And I, it's been such a learning experience for me. I've had good things. I've had bad things. I've stumbled. I've made mistakes. And I've learned from my mistakes. And I've this year as a whole obviously has not been the greatest for pretty much anyone just because of, of the way the world is right now. So I think that with a book like Cerulean, it came out at exactly the right time when it was supposed to. It came out on March 17th, right when the pandemic was kicking off the United States, when everybody started freaking out about it. And for a little bit, I worried that it was going to get lost in the shuffle. And I think that's fair to have that fear because, again, the the book came out on a Tuesday and literally that Monday was when every news channel was only about coronavirus. Everything was about coronavirus right then. And everyone's tours were canceled and the publishing industry was put into disarray because nobody knew how to handle this because nobody, we've never had to be in this position before in modern times. I applaud Tor and the publicity team and marketing and everybody for making the most of it. Not, not even just making the most of it, for actually turning this around into a positive and actually making this as fun and and awesome as it could be 
because they had to come up with all these plans in like a matter of weeks, some even days, because my whole tour thing, my tour was canceled the Thursday before the book came out and that I was supposed to be going all over the country. And then with this, they had to set up all these virtual dates and bookstores weren't used to doing virtual stuff. So everybody had to come together to learn how to use all of these things. And it was it was heartening to see that in the face of all the unknown, in the face of the fear of that unknown, that all of these people were coming together to celebrate books still. And I think the biggest takeaway I've gotten from this year, aside from how cool it is to see my books in bookstores and hardcover, is just how tremendous that people really are when they work together to remind people out there that there is still some good, there is still some happiness, there is still some hope which is what the House of the Cerulean Sea was all about to begin with. And again, I wish the world was in a different place than when the book came out. But at the same time, this book, House of the Cerulean Sea, was the right book for that time. And it still is. I mean, it's still, it was just, it just got back on the USA Today bestseller list a couple of weeks ago. And that's just mind-blowing to me that, Six months later, unfortunately, we're still in the middle of a pandemic. But at the same time, so many new people are still discovering this and the extraordinaries. And from there, they've been working in my backlist, even though it's kind of like when House in the Cerulean Sea to say the lightning struck heart. It's just that's a little <laughs> that's a little, that's a little uh, it's, a big, it's a bit of a jump. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's been a crazy, crazy year and we still have three months to go. So who knows what could happen? Yeah, for sure. Looking into 2021, there's some great things ahead. Things that I've already clicked the pre-order button on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> What's coming? Yeah, we have Under the Whispering Door, which is my next book from Tor. It is not a sequel to The House in the Cerulean Sea, even though everybody wishes there would be a sequel. But it is the second book in what I call my unofficial kindness trilogy, because it does deal with the same themes of kindness, but instead of kindness to others, Under the Whispering Door turns that inward and asks the question of what would it take to be kind to yourself? It is about a man named Wallace Price who in the very first chapter dies and becomes a ghost who is taken to a tea shop where a man named Hugo owns that tea shop and works but he is also essentially Charon the Greek god who helped souls cross the river Styx he's a ferryman and that story is what happens between the two of them because I wanted to write basically a love story but what if you couldn't touch the person that you were falling in love with because touch is so inherent in how we now more than ever I think too because of social distancing I think we took for granted what touch meant and what touch means And um, in the middle of the pandemic, I think that we realized just how important hugging is because we can't really do that. We can't shake hands. We can't kiss each other on the cheek. And so I wanted to write an entire book about two people falling in love, but they can't touch. And after that is the sequel to The Extraordinaries, Flash Fire, which is just bigger and louder and more chaotic. And Nick will return as a big disaster twink. And he will go on more adventures that I can't talk about quite yet, but it is pretty hardcore, man. It is very cool. I think what I've done with that book. And then after that (laughs) is the Brainia books of which there are two. One of one is 
tentatively titled Fairy Tales from Verania, which is me essentially writing fan fiction of my own books with my own characters and putting them, taking them from the world of Verania and putting them into fairy tales. For instance, the very first one is Gary acting as Rapunzel in, <laughs> locked in a tower and needing a man to come save him. And Sam is a weasel, an actual weasel, and Tiggy is a bird. <laughs> and I basically, I in four stories, three of them I rewrote fairy tales the fourth one is a little different and it is the only canonical story out of the bunch and it is exploring the history of the city of locks and of david's dragon the dragon that helped sam at the very end of the last book and the one who brought him his prophecy of his destiny that story is one that is gonna gut punch the crap out of people and i can't wait for it it is hardcore it is a love story it is a tragedy and it is my favorite out of those after that <laughs> is justin's book the damning stone and i'm not going to say much about it right now only that justin's love interest is a man named dylan who is a king from another country he is a himbo and he is a delight <laughs> and the fact that i got to pair justin of somebody with dylan's caliber is just hysterical it is absolutely hysterical and the book goes in a direction that people will not see coming and i can't wait for it nice sounds like an awesome 2021 while you're done with the bennett pack there are more wolves in your future yeah one day Someday I will be writing about a different pack exploring the idea of how Green Creek itself got so powerful and why it is essentially a holy place for wolves. And it is me wanting to do something that I've wanted to do for a very long time, which is essentially write a Western. So it is going to be set in the probably mid to late 19th century and people who read brother song you will you will have a good idea of what that might look like by certain specific scenes if you're paying attention you'll have a good idea of what that might look like but that for now is uh, a ways i want to give myself time to just enjoy the fact that i got to the end of the bennett pack and I was able to tell the story that I wanted to and just live in that moment for, for a little while. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Can't wait for all of it. Yeah. It's a lot, a lot coming. I, I, as <laughs> people know by now, I do not stop writing. That's right. Which is good because we all want your books. Yeah. So, <laughs> well, thank you so much for sharing so much Green Creek with us over the years excited and a little sad to be reading the end and congratulations again on an incredible year thank you thank you and, and to everyone who has loved the green creek characters as much as i do thank you for taking them in like you have thank you for becoming part of their pack because when i first wrote wolf song back in the day i honest to god never thought it would reach the number of the queer werewolves and you know it's not something that really captures zeitgeist all too often but the fact that i was able to tell 
a story of this remarkable group of people over a series of four books and have it be have them be embraced as they have has just been has just been humbling. So I, I really 100% appreciate each and every one of the readers of the series and know that while I write for myself because I think that's what the characters need, this book is for all of you. This week's interview transcript has been brought to you by our community on Patreon. If you'd like to read the author interview for yourself, simply head on over to the show notes page for this episode at BigGayFictionPodcast.com. And thanks so much to TJ for spending so much time with us over the years talking about Green Creek and his other work. And thanks, too, for giving us a little bit of an exclusive there with one of the titles from the upcoming Verania books. Now, I do want to mention that some of TJ's audiobooks, as noted in our show notes, are available through Libro.fm. Of course, Libro.fm is where you can purchase audiobooks directly from your favorite local bookstore, which means you're actually supporting a local business. All you need to do to take advantage of this is have the free Libro.fm app. Listeners of the Big Gay Fiction Podcast can get a two-month audiobook membership for the price of one month. And to get details on that, you simply need to go to biggayfictionpodcast.com slash Libro.fm. That's L-I-B-R-O-F-M for all the details. All right, I think that'll do it for this week's show. Now, coming up next in episode 263, we're going to be joined by author V.E. Schwab, and she's going to talk about her latest, The Invisible Life of Addie LaRue. Guys, this book is amazing, and it's so appropriate that talking about this book falls on the heels of TJ because the way that Victoria creates a story is so much in line with the epic tales that TJ creates. If you're not familiar with her work, I think this is going to be an excellent book to kind of on-ramp into her stories. We hope that you've enjoyed this week's episode and that you've maybe discovered some new books to add to your TBR pile. Well, and if not, don't worry. We'll be back again next week with more recommendations and author interviews. So until then, everyone, please stay strong, stay safe, and above all else, keep turning those pages and keep reading. Big Gay Fiction Podcast is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. You can find more shows you'll love at frolic.media slash podcasts. New episodes of this show are available every Monday wherever you get your podcasts. You can help support this show with a monthly pledge through Patreon. For more information about joining our community and the bonus content we deliver, check out patreon.com slash biggayfictionpodcast. I'm Kurt Graves. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.